The ideal sauna is a small building made of logs set near a lake shore facing toward the sunset. Bernard Hilala from his book, The Sauna Is. Hi, this is Daniel, and welcome back to the Sauna Trail podcast. Join us in our adventures as we share the story of how our family discovered the world of Finnish sauna. You might be wondering why would anyone do a podcast dedicated to something as commonplace as sauna? It's like doing a podcast about light fixtures, drink coasters, or black pepper. Well, if you stick around, you might find out that there's more to sauna than you realized. Last week, we summarized our sauna journey so far. So if you've missed any episodes or like to see photos inside the saunas, check it out. Today, we'll be sharing our tips for building or buying a sauna. If you've been bitten by the Lolu bug and want to get your own finished steam bath, this practical advice will get you headed in the right direction so you hopefully can avoid the most common pitfalls. We'll even make some specific recommendations for sauna kits and heaters. We'll start by explaining the basic principles that will guide either a sauna build or purchase. Then we'll share our construction advice. After that, what to look for in a pre-built or kit sauna. Next, the most common myths and mistakes. And finally, recommended resources to go deeper. There will be lots of info, so buckle up. We have a PDF document summary on our Locals page. There's a link in the description. And in our next episode, we'll dive into which sauna accessories you'll want for your new sauna. Before we get started, we need to provide a disclaimer. Every situation and location is different, so do what works for you. Every sauna build or purchase will have some compromises. For those that already have a sauna, you may discover that you have built or purchased a suboptimal sauna. That's okay. We've done the same thing. You can still enjoy it and maybe even make some adjustments that will improve the experience. In the words of Igor Ivanovich, who is a Russian banya enthusiast, for those who don't know, banya is the Russian version of sauna. He said, if you build one banya, you'll build another for sure. When people start looking into buying or building a sauna, they quickly find lots of conflicting information, some even from experts who have built, sold, and used hundreds of saunas. But if you first ground yourself in the basic principles of Finnish sauna, those principles will provide clarity, and then those will guide your decisions. So let's start there. First, we'll describe and define Finnish sauna, showing how robust and multifaceted it can be. You can't build something or buy a high-quality version of something if you don't understand it. For much of my life, I viewed sauna as a large cedar closet where you sit and sweat. And this is the most common conception in North America. But as we've discussed in previous episodes, sauna practice is much more than that. I describe how the disconnect from American and Finnish sauna happened in episode 5, What Happened. So how would we define sauna today after going on our sauna trail journeys? It's the Finnish word for a practice 
that's thousands of years old. It's an ancient thermal hack. No one knows what the first sound it was, but its origin probably went something like this. There was a nomadic people who lived in tents, and they probably used rocks to heat themselves in that tent. And one day, someone accidentally splashed water on the rocks and created an intense steam that felt even warmer than the rocks normally were. And they found that it was a good space for rinsing and washing and exfoliating and cleaning with various different branches. This activity in the hot space alternated back and forth with cold exposure and rest, and sometimes even for several hours. It became a place of vulnerability and community, often with families of the village sounding together in a large log structure. And food became a part of the ritual, whether it was smoked meat in the sauna or sausages grilled on a pit outside. Sauna had grown to be like a dinner party crossed with a bath. Hopefully you can start to see why a small cedar closet or the many, many products that are sold as sauna don't cut it if you want the full spectrum of what Finnish sauna has to offer. To experience real sauna, you'll need robust heat, cold, a place to rest, a space to host, ability to wash, a community, and if possible to have this all set in nature. It's much, much more than just sit and sweat. For you guys, what would you say is your favorite aspect of that sauna process that I've described? Well, I feel like I'm always cold, so I love the heat. The heat, I think, is my favorite. Yeah, and for me, it's the opposite. The cold is my favorite part, and I also love the community aspect of it. I also like the cold I like the cold plunges in Lake Superior. So you two, if you were to write a book about sound, you would call it the opposite of hot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How about you, Daniel and Nala? What are your favorite parts? I like how it makes me feel afterwards, how clean I feel, how refreshed, but also just like how relaxed it makes me. I also like cold plunges, especially a lake. It's really, really nice after the hot sauna. All right, that's great. So we've defined what sauna is. Now let's get to our first principle. Not surprisingly, our first principle is heat, which is what everyone first thinks of when they hear the word sauna or sauna. We'll break it down into three steps. Creating the heat, capturing that heat, and using it to sauna. There are different ways to create heat in the sauna, some of them being an electric or wood-burning or even a hot water radiator. Sauna enthusiasts often consider wood-burning heaters to be the best, but electric heaters can be great too. Wood burners allow for more flexibility when selecting remote or outdoor locations, and you have the potential for cheap or even free fuel. Also, many people love the ritual of creating and tending to their sauna fire. Our uncle actually had a wood burner and converted to electric, but ended up regretting that choice because he missed that process of creating and tending to the fire. 
Another thing you'll want to consider is the size of your heater in relation to your hot room. For smaller saunas, shielding might be necessary to minimize harsh heat from the stove. And what are you going to do with all this heat? Well, you're going to want to capture it in the rocks, the air, but also the benches and walls, and even water. You're heating much more than just the air. You're heating the entire building. This creates a uniform, enveloping, soft heat. And while air temp is the most common measure of sauna readiness, it doesn't store nearly as much warmth as the rocks and wood. Plus, hot air is always trying to escape. Trying to contain hot air works against the principle of ample ventilation, which we'll talk about in just a bit. Capturing heat is more important than containing heat. Now that you've captured a bunch of heat, it's time to use it to sauna. The first place you encounter the heat is the air, and since hot air rises, you want to be sitting as close to the ceiling as possible. Then you will splash water on the rocks to create low lu, or sauna steam. The steam also rises, so again, you want to be sitting up by the ceiling. If your benches are too low, all the good heat and steam will be above your head. As you sit in steam, the warm walls and benches will provide a soft, radiant heat for your body. Notice I said soft. While sauna heat can be intense, it is best when it isn't harsh. Harsh heat usually comes from either a very small sauna, where you're sitting right next to the heater, or from having a sauna stove that isn't properly shielded. The last way to use the captured heat is mixing the heated water with cooler water to wash and rinse. Great. Thank you, Nala. So, again, a question for everyone. What sauna had the best heat that you've experienced, and why would you say that particular one? I think for me, the nicest heat that I've experienced in a sauna was at Camp Lati, which is a campground in the UP. It's a larger sauna. It has a pretty big stove, um, and I remember the heat being soft, but also really just hot, but it didn't feel like too hot because, again, it was it was soft and well circulated around the building in the sauna. I also liked Camp Lati. It was a bigger sauna, so you would get more spread out, and it's softer heat. I like that one. Softest heat I remember was at UKTS, which is a Finnish temperance society on the East Coast. I remember that heat being really soft, and I'm not 100% sure if it was super soft or was, or if it wasn't super warm in that room, but my memory of it is that it was pretty gentle. And I always love the heat in a log sauna. They take a while to heat up, but they, they usually give you pretty good heat. There was a sauna that we used in Republic, Michigan that was a log sauna, and that was good. But probably the most unique heat I ever used was at Palmquist Farms in Wisconsin, where you were up very high above the heater. So a lot of the heat and steam came from down below. So that was, I don't know if that was super soft, but it was a very even heat. I think the my favorite experience of heat was the smoke sauna, salvo sauna that we used on the East Coast. So... These are all spoiler alerts, so 
um, keep posted for us to talk more about each of these zonas in detail. Being in such a intensely hot environment can feel really stifling, especially if there's not a lot of fresh air. So this brings us to the next principle, include ample ventilation. Fresh air is an often overlooked element of pleasant sauna experience. Having lots of it makes the heat more enjoyable and results in less fatigue. And you'll be able to stay in the heat much longer. So I have this kind of weird thing that happens to me. And I didn't even notice what it really was until much later in our sauna trail journeys. But in certain saunas, my lips will actually tingle. And it it's not painful. It just tingles. Are these saunas that I'm in? Yes, every single one. <laughs> um, but... I think once Christopher and I realized how important ventilation was and how important fresh air exchange needed to happen in the sauna, I started to notice that my lips tingled when the sauna was too closed and there wasn't good ventilation. I get it a lot in any sort of like gym or hotel ones that I use. I will almost always get, my lips will always tingle. So it's really weird. So we kind of call it our tingling lips test. <laughs> but anyways, if you're able to capture lots of heat in your rocks and then the thick wood walls, planning the proper ventilation is a much easier task because heat in the air escapes very quickly, but stored heat doesn't. Yeah, it started to really be on my radar when I used a sauna up in the UP with my best friend Lonnie and the guy that I don't know if he built it or he was the owner of the property for sure. We were talking about the sauna and maybe some of the difficulties of heating it up and that it was a little drafty. And he said, I like a drafty sauna. And at first when he said that it didn't make any sense to me, but the more that I've reflected on it, I think he was just referring to the fact that you almost can't have too much really good ventilation, especially if you're capturing the heat, then you can have lots of fresh air in the sauna. Our next principle emphasizes that sauna is a bath. So just like every tub or shower, you'll need to include drainage of some kind. We considered putting this principle first because it is so underemphasized in North America. In Finland, most all saunas have drains, whereas most American kit saunas don't. That's the first clue that drains are important. But why? What is the value of drainage? It allows you to wash down with soap. Even if you don't bathe in your sauna, the ability to rinse and cool yourself while saunaing is super nice. We teach everyone to do that when we introduce them to sauna. Splashing water on the walls and benches is a great hack for raising the humidity without creating intense steam. A drain is helpful for cleaning your sauna. If all you do in the sauna is sit and sweat, then a drain doesn't seem like a necessity. But if you want to practice sauna the finish way, make sure to include a drain. This brings us to the next principle. Cold is a very important aspect of sauna practice. When cold water is coupled with the heat of sauna, 
it creates an experience that is better than the sum of its parts. A plunge in a lake or stock tank is the best way to experience a deep, all-encompassing cool-down. You can even cut a hole in the ice during the winter to create a cold plunge. The Finnish language even has its own word for this, avanto. Most people adapt to the heat of the sauna after a couple, few rounds, but the relationship with cold water takes a lot more time. But often, it becomes people's favorite part. Yeah, and that kind of happened with us. In fact, on the cold fall days or winter days when it's not super cold, we'll have our stock tanks filled up and I'll cold plunge every morning, pretty much. Without a sauna. Without a sauna. So you're not hot, you're just in the water cold. Yep, just going in straight in the morning. It's better than a cup of coffee. Yeah, you do it more regularly than I do. I I do enjoy it, but just not quite as often. And then I just wanted to share a quick story. One of the places that we went to, there was a, a, a river by the sauna, and we would go in there. And it was around Christmas time, so it was cold, but it wasn't frozen over. And there was this guy who was fishing in the water. So he had like waders. So he's going in the water too. But we would go in after sauna and in our swimsuits. In our swimming suits. And this is winter in Michigan. And he's he's going down the stream. And I think he's a little bit mad at us because I think we're disturbing his fishing also. But he was like, Man, these people have got to be effing special forces even their kids are out here jumping in this water and it was so funny i i think he was more mad at us than anything but yeah he was on the phone with a friend oh yeah that's right that's right i forgot he was telling a friend (laughs) so for our last principle consider the space if you like your friends and you enjoy hosting build a large hot room you know if you don't You might want to keep it small and secret and don't tell anybody. But we love to sauna with friends, so our hot room is pretty big. That said, you might even still want a large hot room, even if you aren't planning on hosting, because the heat and the air tend to be better in more spacious saunas because you have some distance from the stove. And it doesn't feel so confined. And then there's just more air to start out with. It also gives you room to wash up in the sauna. You'll also need to think about windows, lighting, flow of traffic, like how are people going to get in and out, changing room, and then the bench style. There is not a right answer for everything, so research all the different options. It's also important to make a place to chill. Comfortable chairs, good lighting, And shelter from the wind is nice. It makes it more relaxing between rounds, and it makes that experience more pleasant. So we spent quite a bit of time laying out the principles of sauna. There's a reason for that. These will serve as your guides. So it's important to let them inform your decisions. In summary, they are... Understand what sauna practice is. It's more than just a hot place to sit and sweat. Create, store, and use heat. Plan for ample fresh air. Include a drain because a sauna is a bath. 
Cold is a wonderful pairing with the sauna. And consider the space. Once you have these principles firmly established, the next step is to figure out, should I buy or build a sauna? The first question on most everyone's mind is, how much is this going to cost? Well, let's check Amazon real quick and see if we can find an answer to that. Well, there you go. Looks like $80 for a sauna blanket. That's pretty cheap. I don't know if I want a sauna blanket, though. (laughs) But if you want something a little more robust than this sauna blanket, stay tuned. We're diving into a detailed discussion on building and buying. So most people will purchase one of those prefabricated saunas because it's quicker, it's easier, and that makes complete sense. But we want to make the case for why you should consider building a sauna, even if you are someone who doesn't have much construction experience like myself. So why build? Why would we consider building? Well, first you get your own unique sauna. You know, keep in mind, at its core, sauna is a hack. They aren't supposed to all look the same. Then you get exactly what you want, how you want it. You know, most kits are going to be fairly small. You may not think this, but it's actually often more times more affordable. And you get a sense of accomplishment, which is invaluable. Our sauna friend, Bob, assures us if you build it you'll like it more and also you'll you can do it with the help from online sauna communities who have lots of advice and tips so you can do it and what would the reasons be for why you might buy a pre-built sauna you could get a sauna quicker sometimes It's easier. There's less time spent from the time you decide you want a sauna to the time that you get a sauna, but you'll most likely need to spend quite a bit of time making important adjustments to a prefabricated sauna. We'll explain what those are later. We've used both custom and kit saunas and have helped family members get set up with various types, so there isn't just one right answer to this question. So let's say you took Julie's sales pitch and you decided to build your own. There's a few different routes that you can go for this. One relatively easy way is to retrofit an existing structure like a shed. A friend of mine had a shed in his yard and I helped him to retrofit it. So here's some pictures that I'll describe of the shed. This is the outside. You can see the chimney's already there. So this is after we've put the chimney pipe in, but the shed basically looked like that on the outside. The only two changes we made were for the chimney pipe and a window on the backside. We took out the existing plywood floor, and then we put down sand and gravel over the dirt, and we added a few more supports, and then put down some 2 by 6s with a little bit of spacing for drainage. And then we didn't use any insulation, but we just put two by sixes right over the existing framing of the walls as kind of like thick paneling. And here's a picture of the two by sixes being cut on a table saw to be shiplap. So it wasn't tongue and groove, but it did overlap. And then we did the same exact thing for the ceiling. 
and just cut a hole through that ceiling for the chimney pipe. And now he's sounding in his shed. And he also put in a small changing room. Or you can have one built for you. So in lots of parts of the country, the Amish will build sheds or even log structures. A friend of ours, Jim Torola, wrote an article about his sauna build that we'll link in the show notes. And I've got a few pictures here of his. It's just a gorgeous build. So he told the Amish builders exactly what he wanted. And here's a picture inside the changing room, his stove, and then the benches in the hot room with several steps up. It's a very finished looking hot room with all kinds of buckets and washing apparatuses. And we got to use this sauna and the heat was very nice in it. It was very nice. I forgot that that is, it is, it was nice. And then here's a picture of his wife making some rugs for this changing room floor. Was that the place we had Vili? Yep. That was the place that we had Vili for the first time, which is, uh, See, how would you describe it? Kind of like a Finnish yogurt? Yeah, but it was better than yogurt. I don't know how to explain it. What did you like better about it? If I remember correctly, it wasn't quite as sour. Mm. And so it was just more pleasant to eat, I think. Yeah. And the texture wasn't as uh, thick as yogurt, I don't think. You don't like yogurt and you liked this okay or not really? Uh, I still don't really like either <laughs> the Vili or yogurt. I didn't really like the Vili. So we've gone over retrofitting just briefly or having a structure built for you. If you can get local Amish people to build a log sauna for you at a good price, that's a great route to go. Or you can just start from scratch, which is what we did for ours. I'll show you a few few pictures of our sauna build. Here it is, and it's just four by four posts on top of a gravel pad. So we just dug down and and put down gravel, and it just sits on top of six by sixes. We're not especially great at construction, but but we had some some good help, and we were able to get it up. It was pretty incredible to watch. I didn't help a lot. The kids and Christopher did a lot of it. It was pretty fun to watch it just go up. And then there's some other considerations as far as if you're going to do a build. Do you want it to be mobile or fixed? I've got a picture here of a mobile sauna that we had when we lived in Michigan. We didn't have any space in our yard to be able to put a sauna, so we just put this one in our driveway, and it worked great for us. I'm pretty sure the neighbors thought we were crazy. And then, like I said... Where you're going to put your sauna is a big consideration. Is it going to be indoors? Is it going to be outdoors? Is it going to be wood burning or electric? We recommend putting the sauna a little distance from your house or cabin because it creates kind of a a barrier or a treat from everyday life. And then a lot of people wonder, like, what kind of wood am I going to use? We'll get more into that later. There's lots of strong opinions about that kind of thing or people saying you can only use one kind of wood, but that's not true. And I always recommend 
talking to Finns or find out what they do in Finland, that'll generally steer you the correct direction on these very specific questions. And then you might wonder, what kind of heater should I get? And we'll go into that a little bit later and give you some of our recommendations. But if you've decided not to build a sauna, there are many places to buy one. Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, Amish Sheds, Costco, or tons of sauna-focused websites. Things to consider are, should I get an indoor sauna, outdoor, barrel, tent, or cabin style? If you're able to do a sauna outdoors, we recommend that. It's usually easier for ventilation and drainage, and it's good to get outside. Or, better yet, have one inside and outside. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah, that's probably the best route to go. Now let's go into depth on the different types we mentioned earlier. Our first sauna was a barrel sauna. It was used and came from a good friend of ours, Jeff Pizek. Contrary to what many diehard sauna enthusiasts might say, you definitely can get some good sauna sessions from a barrel. Let me make that case. It gets fairly hot. You can make steam. If you combine that with some good friends, a cold plunge, and some food, you have a sauna experience that is light years better than any gym. Some of the pluses and minuses of a barrel sauna are it's relatively inexpensive, you can get one quickly, it's fairly easy to set up, and it can often be placed where permanent structures can't, like at the edge of a lake. But some of the minuses are that the round geometry of a barrel puts the best heat and steam up at the top in the middle where you aren't sitting. And the benches are often low because of this geometry, so the temp at your head is often a lot hotter than your feet, and sometimes you can get cool feet. Or cold. Yep, or cold, depending on what the weather is outside. And they're not always super durable. Probably want to add a roof to it and tighten up the bands from time to time. And often they're pretty small, so you're sitting rather close to the heater, which makes for some intense heat. Sometimes I felt like a bagel. You had to like toast one side and then I had to turn around so I could toast the other side of me. But we love that barrel. We do. I still love it, yes. Another relatively quick and easy option are tent saunas, which are perhaps the very first saunas and are gaining in popularity recently. Here are some things to consider before buying one. They're inexpensive, they're very mobile, but they don't have much thermal mass, they often aren't very durable, people are often concerned about the safety of the materials, and they're usually pretty small. And then this brings us to cabin-style saunas, or more rectangular saunas which are probably my recommendation for most people over barrels or tents, which is why two of our family members have saunas like these. They're more expensive and difficult to set up, but they provide more room. They usually have better heaters and often are more durable. Julie's mom got a Dundalk Luna Cube, which is similar to a barrel, but it has more of a square or cube shape. And we recommended that she get a whom hive mini electric heater because it has an easy app to use and 300 over 300 pounds of rocks just so our listeners know whom has had some issues with design and support 
So buyer beware on those. You might want to look around for other brands of heaters. So looking at the interior and exterior pictures of the sauna, what kind of adjustments would you guys say would need to be made to this kit sauna to improve it? It would need a drain. I don't see a drain in there. Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is move the benches up. They look a little low. So move them closer to the ceiling? Yeah, and then you get better steam, better heat. It needs some ventilation. Yep. I think my lips would probably tingle in this one. And then it's probably also going to need a more robust roof. This one comes with a rubber roof, but that's not great coverage for this sauna. The other cabin-style sauna that a family member of ours got was a solid wood kit from Almost Heaven Saunas. That's a six-person sauna that my brother got. So I'll show a picture of that here. He got this kit, and he got it with a Harvia Legend wood-burning stove, which holds, you know, a lot of rocks. He later converted it to the same heater that our mom has, the Hume Hive Mini, but he's also had some issues with that. So again, just back to that. You know, you might want to be cautious about those heaters. So looking at this kit, what adjustments might you make to it? I would make the ceiling flat. Why would you make the ceiling flat? So then all your heat and steam doesn't go right up to the point where you aren't. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's kind of one way when I look at sauna builds that I could tell if maybe someone with a long Finnish heritage built this, they will have flattened off that ceiling inside instead of leaving it leaving it pointing to the top, like Hudson said. What else? If I were to make a guess, you can't see from these photos, but probably doesn't have very good ventilation, so probably add ventilation. Yeah, that's a pretty safe bet on almost any sauna, yep. Does it have a drain? I don't remember if theirs has a drain. That is a good question. It might have an open base, so that one may have been a lot easier than the previous one to have good drainage. So when you say open base, what do you mean by that? So there's no boards on the floor. You provide the floor. Oh, I see. We'd have to ask him on that. Yeah, it's also difficult to tell the height from here, uh, but the benches might need to move up. Yep, yep. But depending on how you flatten the roof, it might be. Yeah, if you flatten the interior, if you flatten the interior ceiling, then maybe that bench height is okay. Yeah. What's the finish rule for bench height? How low from the ceiling or how near the ceiling do you want to be? Two fists on top of your head. Yeah. So if yeah. you're sitting on the bench, two fists. Yep. To two, the ceiling. Two fists above your head. Yeah. Unless you're Cambodian. Then if it's two fists above your head, no one else can sit on that bench. (laughs) This is true. Well, it sucks to be tall, so. (laughs) But one other thing to keep in mind is that many of these sauna kits come with very lackluster heaters by default. So you're going to have to pay to upgrade if you want a really good heater. So both of the kits that my brother got and our mom got, they were upgraded heaters. And sometimes if you're really lucky, 
you might find a custom-made log sauna kit for sale that's already built. And this would be my ideal recommendation, although it's very difficult to find. Here's some pictures of a gentleman that lives in northern Minnesota and some log kits that he was selling on Craigslist back in the day. I'm not sure if he still is. But something like this is just very beautiful. Here's another one he built. This probably would have been my dream sauna if I wasn't building one just to go get. Looks like the law, the walls are maybe about six to eight inches thick. And then he has a hot room on one side and then a changing room on the other side with like a breezeway in the middle. It's a pretty large sauna. And then you could see what's beside it there. Is that a cold plunge? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is? I never knew that. Yeah, a log uh, cold plunge. Or I guess you could heat it up if you put a heater in there, but. That looks Whoa. pretty deep. Yeah. yeah. It's a swimming pool for you, Daniel. Yeah, that would be that would be a fun cold plunge. So there are, if you live in the UP, I know there's a few guys that build log kits up there. We have a friend who lives in Vermont named Nils who also sells log sauna kits, and we'll put a link in the description for that. And if anyone's listening to this episode and you sell log sauna kits, please let us know. We'll include your contact information in the episode description too. Because log saunas are rad. They're cool. I mean hot. <laughs> wow. And then one thing that we haven't talked about, about yet are infrared saunas or saunas. So there's a reason for that. Let's start by saying they're not saunas at all. And people sometimes get frustrated when they say this. But it's not just some sort of semantic or really precise dictionary definition. Can you guys say why infrared isn't sauna? How would you explain that? Well, first of all, there's no stove or way to make steam in an infrared closet. Yeah, and, <laughs> and steam is really important. Oftentimes when you ask a Finn, when they ask how the sauna was, they'll say, how was the steam? So you can't have a sauna without steam and even if they did have a stove they're still pretty junky like no ventilation no drains it's one of those cedar kits probably yeah it generally doesn't really get hot enough and you're not able to wash up or clean up in there yep and it was several years into our sauna journey before I actually got to use infrared. I was curious. I wanted to know what I was talking about. I knew it wasn't a sauna, but I still didn't know what it was going to be like. So maybe a year ago, I set up with a local company here to try one out. And honestly, the experience was worse than I expected. Wow. Yeah, the heat was really lackluster. That was my main complaint. We're sitting in there like 20, 30 minutes. I used it with a friend of mine, and and it just didn't feel very hot. Your body kind of warmed when you were sitting near the panels, but the rest of you wasn't really that warm, so you, you would have to kind of rotisserie yourself. It was a very uneven heat. took forever to get any sort of sweat, and infrared saunas are usually pretty small. You don't feel like you have a lot of space, and you can't rinse down in them. And, like we said earlier, there's no steam. So when the Finn asks you, how was the steam? You just shrug your shoulders. <laughs> but if you have an infrared and you enjoy it, 
there's no need to be frustrated by that. More power to you. It's probably better than nothing at all, but we just want all of our listeners to know they're definitely not saunas. And we do know people or, you know, that, that have infrared and they use it for certain health issues because it's more conducive to them than the high, higher temperatures of heat. So it's okay. It's, it's okay. It just isn't a sauna. So that covers all the prefabricated or kit saunas. Now let's get into a little bit of our recommendations for those and which heaters we also like. So I've mentioned earlier that log kits would be my ideal, but if you can't get one of those, what we recommended for our family, a Luna Cube or an Almost Heaven, one of their cabin kits, aren't bad as long as you make all those adjustments we've been talking about. And then as far as heaters go, um, they can be pretty expensive. Prices have really shot up in the last five to seven years. But some good basic things to look for is you want a heater that can hold lots of rocks. You know, I would say at least 100 pounds and the higher the better. The rocks are the heart of your heater and your sauna. And then you also want a heater that has a good quality build that isn't going to wear out in five years. You want it to be efficient and you want a company that has good customer service. And then if you're getting an electric heater, you want one that has a nice interface and app. For electric, we like ELO, which is a small company out of Dollar Bay, Michigan. They don't have Wi-Fi controls, but their heaters seem pretty solid and they hold a good amount of rocks. And we can confirm we've used them. They make good steam. Yep, they do. Or Iki, I think, also makes some decent rock tower style heaters. That's IKI, and they're out of Finland. And again, just a reminder that it's kind of a trick to find an electric heater that has lots lots of rocks and a decent app or decent controls. They're getting a lot better than when we first got into sauna. It was very common for there to be a sauna, electric sauna heater that has like 12 rocks on it. Yeah. Then for wood burning, I'd mentioned Iki before. I like them. I've used a few saunas with Ikis, and they have lots of rocks. You can get some five, six, seven, eight hundred plus pounds of rocks. And the build seems pretty good. They, they're efficient. I think you can find the data for their efficiency online. And they have very small clearances, so it's easy to build with them in your sauna. You don't have to have tons of shielding. But they are pricey, like I mentioned. Um, A few other brands that are good would be Royal out of uh, the UP. I think they're in Calumet. They have a good build and a pretty reasonable price. But not tons and tons of rocks, and the clearances are fairly large. But if you're building a larger sauna, that's not a big deal. So the same is true of Nipa. They used to be built in the UP, and now they're built in lower Michigan. But they're tried and true. And Kuma is another brand like that, and they're out of Minnesota. And they have a good focus on efficiency, but also not tons of rocks in theirs, except for maybe their newest model. And those heaters work best in larger saunas where you have lots of clearance. Not not great for a small sauna. Or sometimes you can find in these areas some, like a local sauna builder, which is a good option too, like our friend Arnie Kangas from up in the UP. 
And then if you really want to splurge, there's a company out of Finland that makes an Ito Kiwa stove. It's like the Rolls Royce of sauna stoves. And it it's like a heat storage stove where the fire goes up through the rocks, the hundreds and hundreds of pounds of rocks, and they get super hot. And then you stop the fire, and then you open a little hatch to put water on the rocks. And I've never had a chance to use one of those, so that's still on my bucket list to try. Maybe one of these days. I hope so. And then a lot of people ask about retrofitting an existing wood stove into a sauna stove by just putting some rocks on top of it. And you can certainly do that. It may not be as good as a purpose-built stove, but as long as you're careful with all of your clearances and find a way to get a good amount of rocks on there, it'll it'll be fine. Yeah, and this comes back to like remembering that sauna is a hack. You know, just sometimes you just make do with what you got. Yeah, the idea that it has to be an expensive stove or an expensive kit That's not true. So after all the advice about builds and kits, I'm going to throw you a little bit of curveball here. Another option is that you can ignore everything we've told you so far. Buy 20 acres of forested land with a stream or a river and just build yourself a Savu sauna using only a few hand tools and timber and stones from the land. Okay, let's do it. So if any of our listeners do that, kudos. Please let us know where it is. We would love to come test it out for you. Make sure that it hits all the points. And now let's get into some of the common myths and mistakes. So I'll read through these, and then you guys can tell me why it is a myth or a mistake. So myth number one, a sauna should be built of cedar. Why is that a myth? I don't believe there are tons of cedar trees in Finland, so I don't think that's what they would be using in Finland. Yep, there are no cedar trees in Finland. It's not a necessity to use cedar. You can use other wood. It's a big variety of wood that you can use. Yeah, and we're not saying cedar. It's bad to use cedar, but sometimes it can be pretty expensive and people are just locked into it that it has to be cedar. And in fact, when... Sauna first started to take off in popularity in North America. It wasn't cedar that was the the wood that all saunas had to be. It was redwood. And again, they don't have cedar in Finland, and they don't have redwood in Finland. Now, another question for you guys. Which woods did we use on our sauna build? What types? Red pine. Yep, and we didn't even know it was red pine. It's not really the best wood to use for sauna because it had lots of resin, but it worked. It was just the cheapest 4x4 wood that our hardware store had. What else? Uh, For our benches, we used basswood. We sanded it, and it's really smooth, soft. Yeah, which is excellent. The basswood is excellent. What else? One more. We used treated wood for the foundation. Yeah, that's not the one I'm thinking of, though. And you wouldn't ever want to use treated wood in your sauna, but it works great for the foundation. And then probably two more kinds of pine, some on the ceiling, just whatever the tongue and groove is at pine, tongue and groove from Menards, whatever pine that is, and then yellow pine for the platform support and our ladder support for climbing up to the platform. That's right. Okay. 
So several different kinds of wood. They all work great. They're softer woods, and none of it was cedar. Except we did use cedar in one place. Who knows where that was? Deck. Yep, our outside deck is cedar. And now myth two. Small saunas are ideal. Why is that a myth? I mean, I guess it's not completely a myth because in some situations it could be ideal for you. But in many situations, if you want to wash down, if you want to host people, a bigger sound is nice and the heat from the stove isn't quite so harsh in a larger space. Yep. And then myth three, you want a short, hot room because it's more efficient where the ceiling is lower. Why is that a myth? Well, you end up with your feet below the stove then, right? And what's the problem with that? Well, your feet get cold, like, because the temperature is so different from above the stove where the rocks are giving out heat and below the stove where your feet would be. And your feet don't get any of the steam then. Yeah, the fins call that. Who knows what the fins call that? Where your feet get cold? Yeah, where your feet are supposed to be above the rocks. Don't know. They call it the law of Lolu. Oh, yeah. That you want That's your, right. That you want your feet above the rocks. The taller the sauna, the less of heat stratis- stratification you have, so you have a more even temperature from your head to your foot. That's why we built our hot room. How tall? How many feet tall? Ten? Oh. Yep, ten feet tall. Well, six is the bottom, and then four is the top. That's why I said six. Yeah, it's 10 feet tall to the ceiling. And then also, since heat rises and steam rises, cutting down that height isn't necessarily going to be way more efficient. You could have a very, very tall, tall sauna, 20 foot tall, but as long as you get up there towards the ceiling, you're going to find where that heat is. It might be slightly less efficient, but it'll be a nice even heat. And as long as you trampoline up to the ceiling, you'll be fine. Ooh, that sounds fun. And then myth four, and this is really common online, is that health is the primary reason someone would want a sauna. Why is that a myth? It's used traditionally for bathing and relaxation. Yeah, you ease from the stress of the day and you know you could invite a few friends over the neighbors just hang out uh talk rewind from everything you could use it for health benefits it does have health benefits but that's not why we use it yeah we even tell people that even if it was a little unhealthy like bacon we would still probably use sauna Yep, we still eat bacon. Yeah, I mean, it just, it feels so amazing. Yeah, it does. And then some of the common mistakes, which we've mentioned earlier, but we'll just go over again, are to not include a drain. Even if you don't plan on washing in your sauna, it's still a great idea because you can splash water on the walls to kind of raise the humidity. You can rinse the sweat off yourself. And it makes it easier to clean your sauna as well. And then not including enough ventilation is a common mistake. 
And the last mistake that's very common is not building a Savu Sauna. Which is a mistake that we made. Yep. <laughs> so that's it for the myths and mistakes. Now we'll get to our recommended resources. If you're looking for further guidance, and you should because we aren't experts, we're just students like you, a couple things you can do. One is to consult the online sauna community. There's many great forums where the members, even though sometimes they're cantankerous, can provide helpful information. Um, consult them, but always subject their advice to careful scrutiny because you'll get conflicting advice. But if you go back to our principles, that will help you. And if you make sure and find the fins, that will also give you better advice. A few online sauna communities are the sauna subreddit, the Facebook group Sauna Design and Construction, the Facebook group Wood-Fired Saunas, and my Facebook group Wood-Burning Sauna. We'll have links to those in the show notes. And if you're looking for some more official guidance, I recommend these books. Sauna, the Finished Bath by Viher Yuri, The Modern Sauna by Alan Konya, Secrets of Finished Sauna Design by Lassi Likanen, and The Art of Sauna Building by Yalasya. I don't know if I said his name right, but there is also an excellent book called Finished Design and Construction that is published by a construction information organization out of Finland, but it's super hard to find. Um, I think they do sell some PDFs on their website with details. And some websites that I would recommend checking out are Saunalogia, that's out of Finland, but has good information, Trumpkin's Notes on Sauna, and Sauna Times. But remember, even advice from these expert sources should still be carefully scrutinized. I disagree with all of these books and websites on some points, and it's either a difference in our personal preference, or they flat out got things wrong. And one last website I would recommend is our sauna friend Randy Lepola's website that he built that shows his sauna construction and has lots of good notes. We'll have that in our show description as well. And remember, the key is to let the sauna principles guide you rather than relying on prescriptions from all these experts. You know, if you take the time to understand how heat stratification works, steam pockets, understand soft versus intense heat and ventilation, like those all affect the sound experience. So if you understand those, you'll be able to make informed decisions and informed compromises because everybody's going to have to compromise. All sound builds do require that. You don't have to be a pro to build a great sauna. We aren't pros, but we got one built. And remember to relax. You're going to do great. You can do it. And that's a wrap. Thanks for sticking through this whole episode with us. If you have any questions about building or buying a sauna, reach out to us on our Locals page and we'll help in any way that we can. We actually won't have an episode next Saturday because we'll be at National Sauna Week in Hancock, Michigan. Woohoo! You can find a link in the show notes for Finlandia Foundation's website where you can sign up to watch a sauna presentation. 
stop us and say hi if you're there. We'd love to meet you. We'll share photos of any interesting sound as we find on our Locals page. In our next episode, two weeks from now, we will be sharing which sauna accessories you might want to consider for your new sauna. Things like ladles, buckets, sauna hats, essential oils, sausage cookers, etc. We'll tell you our thoughts on what to get and what's a gimmick. In the week after that, we'll resume sharing our sound adventures and finally deliver on the promise to tell you about the first barrel we used in the first sauna on Minnesota's North Shore. If you haven't yet, join our Locals community and say hi. It's free to sign up, you'll get regular updates from us, and if you enjoy our content and would like to support this podcast, Locals has that option as well. The address is thesaunatrail.locals.com. We appreciate all of our supporters and fellow sauna hounds. Our podcast can be found on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and other streaming platforms, as well as on our website, thesaunatrail.com. New episodes release every Saturday, which is the traditional Finnish day for sauna, also called Sauna Paiva. We hope to see you on the sauna trail, and maybe even at Sauna Week.